Welcome to another episode of the Corrosion Journal interview series. My name is Sammy Miles and I'm the Managing Editor-in-Chief of Corrosion Journal, AMP's peer-reviewed scientific journal. Today I will be discussing the challenges and changes facing corrosion research labs during the pandemic with Jerry Frankel. Jerry is a member of Corrosion's editorial board and is Distinguished Professor of Engineering and Director of the Fontana Corrosion Center at The Ohio State University. Thanks for joining me today, Jerry. Well, thanks for having me, Sammy. You know, I'm a big fan of podcasts, and it's the first time that I'm on the other side, so it's very exciting. Thank oh, you. that's fantastic. <laughs> so before we jump into the conversation today, would you like to share a little about yourself? Oh, um, yeah. So, well, you said who I am and, and uh, you know, uh, what I'm doing. But I, so I've been here for 26 years at Ohio State. And, uh, you know, it's a great place to be doing corrosion. And, um, you know, I've been uh, in the field of corrosion for a lot longer than that, 40-ish years now. Uh, and, um, yeah, just uh, it's, been, it's been a great career. Excellent. So I know the past year and a half has presented um, all industries with a number of challenges due to COVID-19. Can you speak to some of those challenges you faced at the university setting? Well, yeah, like education at all levels, we struggled with, with distance online teaching. Um, but I think different in uh, what we had to do was to put on labs. Um, so that was an extra challenge, how to do that, how to do that safely, how to do it with 20% or so of the students who were had either opted out of, uh, we, we did them in person, you know, but about 20% of the students either opted out of the in-person in labs for various reasons, or maybe they didn't feel well or had been exposed. And so those, that population was always changing. So that was, uh, that was a challenge, I'd say, but you know, we, I think we figured out some, some good solutions. In, in terms of, of the lab, uh, the, uh, our lab was, was closed, as were a lot of places, locked up for a number of months. Uh, we were able to get back into the labs starting in the summer of 2020. And so it was only really a, a few months where we were really locked out. And then there's been a series of protocols that have evolved over time. Um, and the students and the researchers, I think, have been terrific. You know, they're, they're very responsible and um, you know, very careful. So I, I think that, it's, that it's, gone, it's gone very well. And of course, we, we here in the Fontana Corrosion Center moved labs to uh, a, a newly renovated space. So you can go to our website and take a tour of our new labs. They're, they're really great. That was a lot of work that required a lot of coordination between everyone. And uh, so that was a challenge, uh, but you know, we, we got through it all. And I think in the end, there, there wasn't actually too much disruption. So with all the protocols and limitations, once we could get back in the lab, the students could really uh, get get back to to what they were doing. I know you've touched on some of the some of the challenges. So, what what are some of those changes? I know it's evolved over the last year and a half on on what you've had to do at different points in time. But can you touch on some of those? Uh, well, 
yeah, well, there are a lot of challenges, but the, the evolution has been that students are, are not always around. So like you and like me, you know, we are working often from home. And so they are doing a lot more work away from the lab and away from their their office space, um, you know, which is which is fine. Uh, and yeah, I think that that part of it will probably continue. Um, you know, so that's you know that's a change and, and maybe a permanent change. I don't know, you know, what your plan is. But I, you know, my plan is to keep flexible with with working. I'm personally trying to come into my office about half the time now. But I, uh, you know, I'm able to be very efficient at home, working at home. I I wasn't before, but I'm very used to it, and I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope you, I hope you are too. Uh, but you know, also, you know, we've had we've had challenges with some of our collaborations. Um, you know, for example, we had a, a great collaboration with Pacific Northwest Laboratories, where we uh, had started some very interesting flash freezing and in situ uh, assessment of, of pits and uh, got really fantastic results. And we had a plan for, uh, you know, um, for more of, of the a series of things we had planned out. And, that has just really been pushed aside. You know, they they have, of course, they've opened too, but you know what they're doing is is uh, quite limited and and prioritized. So yeah, that's unfortunate. Those those kinds of collaborations are are uh, much harder. Yeah, but we're we're also very used to now interacting on Zoom, uh, like you and I are doing right now, and. Uh, so uh, you know that's something that I think will will stick around, uh, and so th there there are some benefits as well. Yeah, yeah. I would I would think that especially when you have students in the mix and faculty that it's it's changed that dynamic of not being able to just walk to somebody's office and have that meeting, or whether it's just a quick quick get together in the lab before you do something to actually be walking through it virtually, right? And and the uh, improved communication needed to be able to do that to get people on the right um, track. That's right. Uh, right. So people could always just come and knock on my door, um, but they can always also just uh, get me on Zoom. And th that, that isn't a problem, really. And, and so we can look at each other on Zoom, but there is the personal face-to-face -face interaction, which is different. And um, yeah, so that's decreased in the extent, but again, we're all used to it. I think we're, we're used to being able to share, uh, you know, even the, the personal things that we need to share. Um, so it's not as good, but it's, you know, thank God we have this technology, right? And, <laughs> you know, I mean, the great pandemic a hundred years ago, they certainly didn't have this, so uh, right, so that you know we can stay in touch with our family and our loved ones, as well as with our our coworkers and colleagues and collaborators. Um, so you know, in the end, it's uh, it's not so bad. You mentioned the the study that you're doing with another lab and how that's been put on hold. The follow up studies have there been any studies that 
have fallen apart because of it. And I mean that in something that was started and then a lab was shut down and you lost some of the research done or was all research able to continue or plan for a stop? Yeah, I think all research continued. It was the timing, let's say, was very hard for certain students uh, and not so bad for others. So for, for my students who had just started, Right, so the, things shut down in in March, as you know, 2020. And let's say students who had started the fall before were just getting going, you know, just really getting into things. And it was it was really hard for them. Uh, so yeah, I have a student, we had samples that she was preparing to send down to the uh, Navy lab at Key West for exposures. And that all, got delayed by you know, more than six months. And, and it, it wasn't like she had uh, you know, data that she could work on or papers that she could write. You know? So for those students, it was much harder than for the more senior students who could take a pause and, and, and you know, analyze data and write papers. Um, so, there were the, the different projects were impacted differently, but um, you know none of them really just uh, fell apart. I would say yeah. that's that's good. That's good to hear. Yeah. And how have um, I know? You, again, you touched on one lab collaboration. How have all the other collaborations gone? Have you noticed a difference? Has it been seamless with Zoom and other means of communicating, or? Have you had issues where, let's say, somebody's in a different state or country, and they're on, they're shut down, and you're not? Has it has it impacted that dynamic? Well, if anything, I think it's improved it. So people are just more used to uh, to these kinds of interactions and Zoom interactions. So yeah, that's a little bit of an upside, I think. That that uh, so distance co collaborations. You know, it doesn't matter if it's my colleague across the hall or, or someone in Australia. I just ended a meeting, a discussion with people in Australia. It doesn't matter because it's, you know, largely the, uh, you know, Jen Locke, who is a colleague across the hall, largely we're interacting on Zoom. So, mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I think it's good. Excellent. Now, what do, what do you think long-term will be changes to come out of this? I know you said, you know, mentioned the blend of being in office and from home and having Zoom mixed in. Is there any other changes you think will, will well, be here to stay? I'm curious to see what happens with our, our meetings, right? So uh, the Corrosion Conference, uh, yeah, I don't know if what it's going to be called now. Is it going to be called? AMP. It's going to be AMP the AMP conference. Yep. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it, it's, it was a big void not having it. And, and I personally found the online conferences, and, and I, I won't talk about the NACE meeting in particular, but I found them largely unsatisfying. Uh, the, you know, pre-recorded lectures somehow just don't do it, uh, you know, and missed the face-to-face -face there, uh, that's, that's sort of socializing, um, you know, the, the building of relationships. Again, I think it's, uh, it's, uh, this is something that is much harder for certain of us, in particular the young faculty, 
uh, you know, who really need to be out there, you know, uh, communicating what they've done and interacting and building relationships, building collaborations. Um, so, of course, the young people suffered more those with, uh, with children. So the, the parents suffered when the daycare was shut down. And even now, you know, daycare it can be shut down if there is, uh, you know, if there is COVID in the, in the group. And, and so uh, I think parents have, have really suffered during this time. Uh, you know, as well as, as well as women and, and minorities uh, you know, who I think really need to build collaborations and, and support structures and rely on that. So, yeah, so I really miss seeing people, uh, you know, in person and say celebrating with Rob Kelly, you know, for winning the Whitney Award, didn't get to do that. Uh, and it's a shame, you know, it's really a shame and that, you know, you can't ever really recapture that. Um, and for me, uh, you know, it's not so bad uh, as I, you know, at the end of the, my career. But the question is, what happens going forward, right? So, you know, I know that that you know, let's organizations such as NACER AMP make a lot of money at these meetings, and so there's a lot of motivation to get those meetings up and going again uh, by, by the organizers, but also for the people. Uh, you know, so. Uh, when will we be comfortable with that? I don't know. Um, and what are the permanent changes? So, you know, will there, there are advantages to having online meetings? And, you know, as much as I didn't like them, uh, you know, people from around the world could participate without having to travel. Uh, so I think that, that there will be uh, some kind of permanent accommodations, uh, and, and it'll be interesting because again, an organization like AMP needs to make money at it. Uh, so how, how that happens, um, I don't know. Uh, but I think that those changes will be, will be permanent. Yeah, and, and to your point, it, it, it is interesting with some of the virtual, <coughs> excuse me, some of the virtual conferences, because you do have a larger group of people able to attend who never could in the past. Maybe there were issues with visas being able to travel to a conference and they now suddenly can attend, can listen to those presentations where before maybe you got a conference paper, maybe you didn't, maybe down the road there was a journal article, but it, it changed that dynamic. But also to your point, you, you don't really have as good of a live Q&A or pull the speaker aside after the meeting and chat for five minutes or even the networking events. And I think for especially those earlier career folks, the networking events are really important because then you can go talk to, you know, people that you want to work with or collaborate with. That's right. So there was a lot that happened there socially that was very important. And of course, let me say that we have always brought a lot of students and you know the the uh, NACE meetings uh, in the past, anyway, and I assume it'll go forward with AMP, have been great opportunities for the students. Uh, so either giving talks, but largely giving posters, and uh, then meeting people, uh, you know, so for them to to meet uh, not just uh, professors but other students, and 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 more importantly, then uh, people that could lead to job opportunities. So that, you know, that's opportunity lost for them. 
Um, and uh, yeah, uh, so a lot of a lot of lost uh, and uh, opportunity and cost. There's cost with that. Um, so uh, and and of course the people who are interested in hiring from industry, you know, that was an opportunity for them to find uh, employees. So um, yeah, right. And and I do know from at least the AMP perspective, we are planning to have our our meeting in person in March in San Antonio. So, and it's going to have some of those events that that you're you're talking about, like the student poster session. And I know at those you always have people wandering through, other than just the judges, because they want to see what what are students working on, and let's meet. Who do I want to talk to um, that could potentially be recruited down the road? Right. for those jobs. And so um, I know we're, we're excited on the organization side to be holding it because of that, because the, we have gotten that, um, that feedback from a lot of our members. It's just been a challenge the last couple years with um, regulations and the health, health and safety concerns and how do we do this where you can have a large group of people back together. Um, but you're right, I do think there will be more of that I'm going to call it a hybrid component where you maybe have certain aspects that are still virtual, but maybe you have a lot that's in person. And then so you try to meet the needs of of both groups. So I think I think it will be a an interesting world moving forward to see what that looks like. I know that there's been a couple um, conferences by other organizations that have been back in person just in a smaller scale this year. Um, or that have been trying out that, that kind of hybrid approach on what happens if we can do certain parts online or make it available to people later versus parts in person. And so I think we'll be finding out over the next, I don't know, probably the next year, honestly, what does that look like and how does it work and does it actually meet um, people's needs? Right, well, and let's hope that we are all feeling comfortable about traveling and attending a meeting that has a lot of people. <laughs> right, right, because that is the other concern, because you're going to be around, if, if it's in person, there's a lot of other people there. Um, I know some of the concerns are also, are you able to travel? So right. even if you're, if, you're domestic, if you're in the U.S. and you're trying to come to another state in the U.S., travels generally easier as long as your company's letting you. But if you're international, right. I mean, some of those policies have been changing weekly even. Right. Right. So, um, and, and with that, I, I want to talk about one of the, the virtual um, events you've put together to kind of fill some of those gaps in there. Would you be able to talk about Corozoom for a yes. few minutes? Yeah, <laughs> sure. I'd, yeah, happy to talk about Corozoom. So, one of those uh, things that wouldn't have happened without the pandemic. Uh, and so, you know, I'll tell you that it was an idea that was kind of brewing in, in my head for some months during the start of this, as we were you know, not getting together and, and, and missing uh, meeting each other. And a lot of organizations were having webinars that, you know, you had to register for and, and uh, you know, pay to attend. And so, yeah, I had this idea about having uh, having a series of webinars that would be free, free to the world, okay, and um, live only, okay. So as these pre-recorded talks just 
are kind of stale, as, as used to them as we are getting, but still, uh, and, and also uh, not having them available later, uh, you know, trying to get people there, right? Have them in the room where it happens, when it happens, right? Uh, to uh, borrow a phrase from Hamilton, right? Uh, so the, the uh, thinking was that, well, you know, I know a lot of people that could give good talks and, you know, some of the top people in the world. And I think there are a lot of people that would be interested in hearing those talks, right? And so if it's going to be, I mean, one of the problems, of course, with having a live meeting, like the NACER AMP meeting uh, live, is that you have a worldwide audience and how do you do that, right? So it turns, you know, it turns out one hour time period uh, from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern is pretty good around the world, right? It's fine in Europe, uh, you know, and in and, and, and India, and, and it's decent in Asia. Uh, it can get late in Australia. Uh, you know, the, the, it's very early on the West Coast of the United States, but we have a lot of people getting up for it. You know, the problem really is Hawaii. So, you know, Lloyd Hahara in Hawaii, he's, you know, at nine, <laughs> it's three o'clock in the morning. So it's hard for him. But basically that hour works pretty well. And indeed, uh, you know, so what happened, I'll tell you, is a, there was a social Zoom call with some of my corrosion buddies from around the world. Uh, we got together uh, for just the socializing on, on uh uh, a Sunday in uh, the summer of 2020, and I, I threw this idea out, and people were sort of, okay, let's see, you know, we've got these conferences coming up in the fall, maybe after that we can think about it. So, you know, I moved forward with it, and, and you know, with this small group of uh, advisors, we came up with a series of six, uh, of six talks, and it turns out there was really a, an amazing demand. There was a huge demand, okay? And well, I mean, it's understandable if you can listen to a talk by Philippe Marcuse or, or John Scully or Nick Berbilis, uh, you're gonna wanna do that. And there are a lot of people who don't get to come to meetings and listen to them. And, uh, you know, so what happened was I, I had the, you know, a list of names of people, uh, you know, so I, I just from, from uh, the editorial work that I do. So I had a little mailing list and uh, I put it out and uh, I, you know, I sent out an email and the registrations, it, it, went, it went viral. You know, uh, I sh shouldn't use that term, but it really just like spread. And you could see that, that there, you know, there was an outbreak in one country and then another is, is people started hearing about it and telling people. And uh, it was very exciting. So the, for the first one, we, we had something like 2,600 registrations. Oh, wow, that's great. Amazing. Of course, for all of them, only about half of the registered people would show up on the day. And so we've had between 400 and 1,400 people, which is still pretty good, still pretty good. And again, the idea was it's free. You know, it's open, open to the world. This is, you know, so the Electrochemical Society has a, has a term, free the science, right? So this was it. And, and I have resisted joining this with any organization, right? They, they have had offers to say, hey, you know, we can help sponsor this. But 
you know, that, I think there's a price to pay for that, and then they want to control it. So the idea here is no, you know, we're, we're uh, just going to do this on our own. And, you know, there's no strings attached. Nobody's making money on it. There's no exchange of money, right? So the, the uh, you know, the luckily, uh, Ohio State provided me with a webinar, the Zoom webinar license for free. And so there's really no cost, you know, the, the minor administration things we're just doing. Uh, so it was great. We had six of them. And then this advisory group decided you know, there's a lot of things that we could do with it. You know, you could you could change it in, in a lot of ways. You know, you could focus on on uh, say women in corrosion. You know, you could have three 20 minute talks instead of one hour talk. A lot of things. We decided to uh, to keep it sort of as a rare event. You know, so you know, a, a little bit like a, a Netflix series, you know, so people are waiting for the next the next season to come out. So we're going to have another season of, of Corozum. Um, I'll tell you, we're, we're planning the next one to be in November, and uh, it'll be by Professor Xiaogong Li in China. And what's really interesting is we're going to use the utility in, in um, the Zoom webinars to allow for simultaneous translation okay so we will hire a si simultaneous translator and you can pick your channel so people could listen to the original talk in chinese or uh listen live to the talk being translated by a translator okay and and uh so that i think is very exciting you know to to uh, it'll attract uh, people from around the world, you know, to hear like he, uh, Professor Lee is really one of the top researchers um, in China. But I'll, I'll tell you that one of the great things about uh, Corozum has been the question and answer. Okay, so so you mentioned that, right? How do you do Q and A? Well, it's been live, and anyone in the world, you know, could enter a question, and and uh, you know the moderator. I moderated uh, most of them, you know, so I would go down the list oh, and you could, those questions could be upvoted, right? So the most uh, popular ones, we start at the top and work our way down. So you'll be able to ask Professor Lee a question in English and he can answer it in Chinese or English or anyway. Uh, so that's very exciting. And again, that's something that wouldn't have happened without, you know, without the pandemic. And I think it, it, it will, continue in some way so and how how are y'all picking the speakers for that i'm i'm just curious now because it's ah. been a great lineup that y'all have had so far uh, and yeah. just a variety of topics too right right well you know so i know, <laughs> I know a lot of people and <laughs> and and you know, as i say we had this sort of informal advisory committee where we would uh, get together on zoom and discuss uh you know what would be the, we're trying in the next in the, in, in the next season to have more diversity, um, you know, in, in, in all different kinds of ways. So yeah, we hadn't had a speaker from China. And obviously there are a lot of uh, corrosion researchers and great research coming out of China these days. So, I mean, that was, it was important to capture uh, that. So it's just, uh, you know, trying to think about what topics would be interesting and, and you know, who's doing interesting stuff. And the problem is that I've offended a lot of people and a lot of my friends, you know, who haven't been selected 
and I apologize for that because <laughs> you know the, you could you could do it every week you know all year round and 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 not uh, not run through the uh, interesting people um, so yeah I think that over time maybe we'll get to those people too so. Right, and I, I think to your point earlier about keeping it kind of like a mini series, so you don't over oversaturate it, because unfortunately, when you when you put out too many, you start losing that interest. So it's no right. longer novel. It's no longer I'm going to carve this hour out of my day to go listen, because everybody's busy. You have a lot of different things going on. So I think that's a brilliant a brilliant way to do it. And I think it's I think it's great to see it come out of. Uh, the research community itself, like not tied to an organization. I mean, keeping it as the Ohio State's helping you and in terms of having that, that, that license for the Zoom webinar, but it's really your project. And I, I do think that's a great way to do it because it is so different to what we try to do with, let's say an association conference right. or some of the other conferences out there where you're not just going after a single speaker, it's at a day long event. It might be a week long event. So no, I think that's a fantastic, fantastic yeah, thank project. You. Thank you. It's, I think it's been a smashing success. It's just been very exciting, you know, each time to, to watch me you know, send out. Now I have an interesting uh, distribution list, you know, which I'm not selling, you know, I'm not sharing even, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not overwhelming people, but, I, you know, I can now reach a lot of people uh, in the corrosion field. And, and, and then again, people, um, you know, people at companies have sent it out like, like Gamry, you know, so they've just sent it out, you know, without any association with it, but send it out on their newsletter and it just can reaches a lot of people. And uh, yeah, so people, oh, you know, let me say that, uh, you know, I told you we had all of those people attending and registering from 74 countries. Wow, that's the great. World. 70 places I had no idea had did corrosion, you know, so I enjoy the ICC meetings. There are people from lots of different countries, but this people from an unbelievable number of countries, countries in Africa, uh, you know, with people that we don't often see at meetings, uh, you know, all the Asian countries, South American, uh, you know, just everywhere right so that's been been really that's been really exciting as well yeah one last question on this one does it help with let's say your curriculum if you're a professor are some of these actually um, lectures that are beneficial to the students and to helping getting them either interested in the research or continuing their research or providing them with avenues of I'm working on a project that has ties into this so maybe I should go listen to this lecture and then I'm going to be able to advance my work in my career. Right. They're given at a pretty high level, but I'll tell you, uh, you know, the last semester when these were ongoing, I, I gave um, extra credit for the students who would come and, and attend that. So, so, you know, they can see, and in fact, the topics are related. You know, so they, they can certainly based on what they have learned, understand parts of it. And to see that I think is very interesting. Uh, so I'll tell you that that you know one of the issues of, of doing things online is you have to be very careful about copyright, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so if you take care of that carefully, which 
most of our speakers have, not all of them, uh, but they should do, then you can uh, take the recording and, and, and have it online. Um, you know, I think that's part of the problem with these conferences. When I'm live at a meeting, I'll show material which is not yet published, like research in progress, right? Mm -hmm. the, uh, but, you know, when you're doing it, you know, over the internet, then you're, I'm very careful about not doing that. And that's part of the problem also. Anyway, uh, if you're careful with that, then you can record it. We have a number of these, but not all of them that have been um, recorded. So you can go to the CoroZoom website, you can Google CoroZoom, go to the website and you can see some uh, fraction of, of those talks that have been, um, have been recorded. Uh, but again, the idea is to try and get people live right. and, uh, there when it happens. Right, and then you can interact and ask questions and- Right, mm -hmm. right. And, and the speaker feels better about having the live audience there. Yeah. Yes, yes. Nobody wants to give a presentation to like a room of five people ever. Right. I mean, whether it's in person or online, right? right? You want to at least know that people care about what you're saying and, and want to hear and have questions and yeah. Right, but it could be that 1,400 people is the largest audience for any corrosion talk, uh, technical corrosion talk. You know, I know that you know, at, at, the, at, at the NACE conferences, there, there would be some plenary talks that were, you know, very large, but for a technical talk, it could have be the largest and certainly the most diverse. So that it's all mm -hmm. yeah. right. No, that's great. So um, we're getting to the end of time. So before we wrap up, is there anything else you wanted to touch on or say before we conclude? Well, you know, I think, let me just say that, that that uh, corrosion really shows the health of our field. Okay, that you know that that corrosion is a problem that's unfortunately, maybe fortunately, not going away anytime soon. There are lots of people that are interested in it, and um, that that you know are are I think starving for these kinds of experiences, and and that's just a, a really good thing. You know that there are bright people from countries around the world who are, are working on this. So I think we should all feel good about, uh, about the uh, you know, future of corrosion. And hopefully we will be getting back together and seeing each other again. Good to see you in person again, yeah. Sammy. It's great to see you as well. And, and with that, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to join me today. Uh, um, thanks, thanks for asking. Definitely. And for our listeners, thanks for listening to another episode of Corrosion Journal's interview series. Um, if you do want to learn more about the journal, make sure to, to visit corrosionjournal.org. And you can subscribe to AMP Podcasts, if you haven't already, on Apple, Google, Spotify, and all the major distributors. And you can find all episodes of AMP Podcasts on amp.org. That's A-M-P-P dot -P And we'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening.